welcome to church. And I'm excited to be here. Uh, this, this is what it looks like at Northwood today. Uh, I'm here uh, from the land of Long Beach, some foreign country far, far away. And uh, Pastor Van is in Wiggins at our Wiggins location. And Pastor Mike, our Wiggins campus pastor, uh, is in Long Beach this morning. So we really stirred the pot this morning. And uh, it's going to be, we're excited. And we're excited to continue this message series. It's, it's always so good uh, to be at any one of our locations. You know, I walked in uh, this morning and I dropped my kids off and kids check in and uh, put them in their kids' ministries and I realized I've never seen these people that are watching uh, our kids, which is, which is the sign of a, a very healthy church, I might add. So, uh, man, well done. Well done, Northwood Church. Honestly, Northwood Church has never been about a location. It's never been about a person. Uh, it's always been about Jesus. It's always been about promoting Jesus, showing the love of Jesus, and then really telling other people about Jesus. Just a little information for you uh, in our Long Beach location is that from the very first day that we opened our doors, your doors, because we're all the same thing, and there hasn't gone a Sunday gone by that somebody hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, which is awesome. Man, that's, that's good. But when we look back at Northwood Church, it's been years it's been years and years that have gone by that there hasn't been a Sunday that people haven't made a decision to follow Jesus at Northwood Church. So, man, it's good to be part of a life-giving church. It really is. So, man, I'm excited to continue uh, the message series next. And today we're going we're gonna to talk uh, a, a lot of history, a lot of Old Testament. How many of you guys like the Old Testament? Good. Four of us. That's good. That's good. That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> For you four. If you don't like it, go on up and leave. No, I'm just kidding. It'd be awfully awkward if I was only talking to four people, but I guess we'd still do it. But I want to I start in the book of Philippians, and you'll be able to follow on the scripture or on the screens with me, but it says this. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. It says, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards, I'm going towards this thing, like with everything that I have, I'm going after it to what's ahead. I press on towards the goal, to win the prize. You know, it's awfully hard to know where you're going if there's not like a definitive goal line or, or something that you're going for. You know, sometimes uh, we just go on drives, me and my family. Uh, my parents used to do that to me as a kid and I hated it. I was like, why are we going on a drive? What do you do on a drive? You just sit and kids fight in the back seats and uh, parents get agitated. These kids are screaming in the back seats, but we still go on drives. But sometimes we just go on a drive with, with really no destination just to drive around. But here we're saying we press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It says there's a plan how to get there, how to get to this goal line. And uh, what we're going to do today is kind of show you in an Old Testament story, a very familiar Old Testament story, a plan that I believe was God-breathed and it wasn't just in the Old Testament that he shared it with his people and, and desired for it to be used, but it's really something that is for us today. But it's in the story of Moses. How many of you guys heard of Moses? Uh, good, again, six of us this time, so we're getting better. As you lied earlier, said you read the Old Testament. There's a couple others just hanging out there. So, so the six of us that have heard about Moses... 
It's, it's a story about Moses and the Passover, and it kind of goes like, you know, there's four million uh, people that are in slavery, uh, the, that are in bondage, and uh, Moses finds himself uh, in a, around a bush that's being consumed by fire, or it's being burned up by fire, but it's not being consumed, and uh, out of the burning bush, a voice comes out of it, and it says to Moses, hey, take off your shoes, because this is, this is holy ground, and uh, he, he does what the bush says. And uh, the voice says to him, I'm going to send, I'm going to get these people out of slavery and I'm going to use you, Moses, to, to, to start this plan, to initiate this thing. He says, I want to get them out of Egypt. He says, the ruler of the day, Pharaoh, he's going to resist it at first, but eventually he's going to cave in because I'm going to give you some signs, I'm going to give you some wonders that are going to force him to, to cave in. So Moses goes to Egypt and before he ever sees Pharaoh, before he ever talks to the, to the king of the land, he presents the overall plan to the Hebrews, to this, to this group of people uh, that are in slavery. And he says this to them, and, and it's really on behalf of God. He says, you know, you're slaves, but that's not God's plan for you. That's, that's not what the, the desire is. It says, here's my plan, and it's actually in the scriptures. It's in Exodus 6, and it's, it's the four I wills. And you'll see them on the screens with me, but it says this, therefore say to the Israelites, so this is God speaking to Moses, say this, I am the Lord, and the first I will, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He says, I'm gonna bring you out from this thing that you're in. I'm, I'm getting you out of this thing. So the first I will is that I'm gonna bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And the next one is that I will free you from being slaves to them. So far, this has got to be a, an incredible plan because this is all they've ever been. This is all they've ever known. This is who they've always been. It's not, it's not like they've ever experienced anything else, but they said, I'm gonna get you out and then I'm gonna free you from being slaves to them. The third one, he says, and I will redeem you. I'm gonna redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And then the next one, it looks like two, but it's really one uh, all in the same. It's, I will take you as my own people, and then I'm gonna be your God. And then it says, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So he presents this plan to the people, and and sometimes I just like to read the Bible and think, what was the atmosphere like? These people that have been in, in slavery and bondage for their entire existence, all of a sudden are hearing a different side of the picture, are hearing this plan that says, you know what? You were created for something far greater than this. You were created not to be someone just digging ditches, not to just be somebody that's, that's building bricks and building these pyramids. But he says, you know what? I've got plans for you. So then he brings the plan. He presents the overall plan to Pharaoh. So Moses goes there and uh, he presents it. Pharaoh doesn't really like the plan. And uh, plague after plague comes from God and there's no response from Pharaoh. So plague after plague. And finally, the last plague, the one that really did him in, uh, was where uh, God said, you know, I'm gonna send the death angel and it's gonna kill every single firstborn of the Hebrews and the Egyptians unless you 
Unless you sprinkle the blood of a lamb over your doorpost, I'm going to come at night. If you put blood over your doorpost at night, I'm going to pass over. You know, that lamb also represents Jesus, just to let you know. He says, if you take that blood and you apply it to your home, that I'm going to pass over and, and I'm not going to do this thing. Well, that's what happens. And finally, Pharaoh says, okay, Man, I've had a bunch of locusts. I've had all kinds of frogs. You've turned the water into blood. I've said no, 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 but this one, okay. We're gonna, we're gonna let your people go. And he finally, Pharaoh says, go. Moses leads four million Hebrews out of Egypt across the Red Sea. Uh, he gets commandments. Uh, he's leading them on a journey to the promised land. And one of the instructions, uh, one of the instructions that he gets from God is, is to celebrate this journey. Celebrate the things and the thing that God has done. Celebrate this thing, kind of like uh, our 4th of July, our Independence Day, that we just celebrate freedom. And we just, it's a day where us just as a people as as Americans we say you know what we're so thankful for independence well that was one of the instructions to them it says I want you to celebrate this day celebrate your day of independence celebrate the Passover so from then on uh, the Jewish people uh, celebrate this journey that God sent them on. And it's, it's a lot of different aspects of the journey. And this celebration has been going on uh, for generations. You know, it's not like just celebrate it for a few years and then, you know, we'll go do something else. But this has gone on since that time and even still to this day. And at the center of the celebration are, are four cups of wine. Now, some of you just got really excited. You're like, all right, now we're talking my language. But... <laughs> You're like, I love this church. But it's, it's, at, it's with four cups of wine, and what they do is each cup of wine represents uh, one of these I wills, one of these things that God has done for them. So what the celebration looks like is, is they pick up one of the glasses of wine and they celebrate, they sit around, they, they're around family, they're around each other, and they say, you know what? They pick up one of those glasses and they say, you remember that first I will, and that first cup represents the cup of sanctification they they pick up that cup and they read exodus 6 6 that says i will bring you out from under the yoke of the egyptians that word sanctification means set apart it means i'm taking you out i'm placing you in a special spot it's like the china in the china cabinet you know we don't have a china cabinet but we've got christmas dishes okay anybody got china Okay, good. Six of you. Only six people have anything here, but that's okay. Okay, so we've got like these Christmas dishes, and you don't eat on Christmas dishes any day of the year except for Christmas. Well, I think we, we forget that we have Christmas dishes also. So the other day, uh, we were attempting to clean out our house, and uh, I found these Christmas dishes, and I, I was talking to my wife. I said, hey, can we throw these things away? And she was like, whoa, are you kidding me? And this is special stuff. We, we don't get rid, this is something for, we, she's like, we used this before, like three or four years ago, and this is, this is a big deal. It's set apart for something special. It's set apart for something great, Christmas. And you don't touch them. You don't put them out where the kids can touch them. You eat off the paper plates. This is what they do. They said, you remember that time that God brought us out 
of Egypt. He set us apart. He pulled us out. He brought us out from under this yoke that we were in. He took us out of slavery and they drink the cup of wine. And they pick up the second cup that represents the cup of deliverance. And they read another passage of scripture and it says this, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now the significance of this is, is not that they were just going to be geographically removed from slavery in Egypt, but this was essentially saying, yeah, I'm gonna get you out of this, this slavery that you're in, this, this, you're under oppression right here. I'm gonna get you out of Egypt, but also I'm gonna get Egypt out of your hearts. I'm gonna get it out of your mindsets. That's why sometimes when you're reading the Old Testament, like in Leviticus, and we're reading how to take care of yourself, how to, how to take care of certain things on your boils and different things on your body, and we're like, man, I don't need to know that. Well, no, you really, you might not need to know that because you're not a slave. You're not stuck in Egypt, but these people didn't even know how to live. They were subject to people instructing them all the time. So you read in Leviticus, these are actually instructions to former slaves that had been removed from slavery, but they had to have slavery removed from their mindset. And they sit back and they celebrate it. They say, man, you remember when we were delivered? You remember when we were pulled out? Yeah, man, we were, we were sanctified, we were set apart, but then we were delivered. We're no longer slaves. And they drink the cup and celebrate. And then they pick up the third cup, which represents the cup of redemption. And they read another portion of scripture and they say, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. You see, there, there's that scripture in Psalms 40 that says that we're in a miry pit, we're in this clay and God reaches down with his outstretched arm and he reaches up and he grabs us and he takes us and he sets us up for a place of success. It said he puts us on a rock, he puts us on a firm foundation and that's exactly what was taking place. It says, I'm gonna buy you back. Redemption just means this, that I'm gonna buy you back and I'm gonna put you in the place that I always meant for you to be. So they remember that and they talk about that and, and isn't it incredible how that really has applied? There's some statistics for you that God actually did this for the nation of Israel. You know, 0.2% of the world's population is Jewish. And this is the, the people group that we see that was in bondage and slavery. But how incredible is it that 22% that of the Nobel Prize winners are Jewish? God reaches out from slavery, from this pit, from, from never being able to, to really be anything. He says, I've got bigger plans for you. And with his outstretched arm, he reaches up and he puts them in a place of success. And this is not a story about a people or a people group, but this is about a great God that reaches down into miry pits, into clay, into slavery. And he reaches out and he picks us up and he makes us great. This is for everybody who calls on his name. So they celebrate that and they remember that. And they pick up the fourth cup, which is rightfully called the, the cup of praise. And I, I think that's kind of funny because if you've had four cups of wine, you're probably gonna have a little bit of praise in you. <laughs> so you're like, man, let's praise, let's praise. This is good. Six verse seven says, I'm gonna take you as my own people, and I will be your God. You know, praise is oftentimes associated with the word 
hallelujah, which is just two words that are combined uh, in Greek. It's hallel and yah, which sep- hallel means celebrate and yah means God. So when, we, when we're singing hallelujah just a minute ago, we're saying we celebrate God and that's what's taking place here. They're saying I'm celebrating the fact that yeah, you saved us, you redeemed us, you delivered us, but, but now we're part of this giant plan that you have. And God didn't intend for this just to be a good story that that we could recite and know about history because Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he breaks the curse of sin and death through dying on the cross. And as he ascends into heaven, as he's going to heaven, he gives us the great commission, which I really believe and we can see through scripture that it's just reiterating the exact plan that he'd given in the Old Testament to Moses. He says this, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to go, I want you to preach the gospel to people, I want you to get them out of Egypt, I want, to, I want you to get them out of slavery, get them. Then he says, and once they believe, I want you to baptize them in water, I want them to, I want them to be delivered. And then he says, I want you to disciple them, to teach them, to redeem that mindset, that old mindset that was once lost and stuck in slavery, redeem that and train it how to do something great for me. And then I want to send them out as people that are making a difference in the world that they live in. We see in Ephesians chapter one, it says this, it's in Christ, it's in Jesus that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It says that if we wanna really find out what God's plan is for our life, well then we should probably submit to Jesus, the son of God. We should give our life to him and say, you know what, what's the best for our life? It's in him that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye, he was watching us. He had designs for us, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. And he's working out in everything and everyone. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to I convince you. I want to convince you to be part of this incredible journey that God, this plan that he's had since a long, long time ago, I want to show you how that can apply to you because this is a big deal here. This is a big uh, belief that we have is that when we're moving, when we're taking our next steps in Jesus, in church, in God, that we're a stronger Christian, that our foundation is firmer and that we're fulfilling the mission of God. That's why the leadership here meets so frequently. We meet as a staff. We sit around and we look at people that are leading and people that are on teams and people that are serving and we say, you know what? What's their next step? You know, we, we constantly track attendance because attendance matters because attendance represents people. We track how many people give their lives to God. We track uh, our small groups. We track how many baptisms are taking place. We track our teams and we do all of this. We put so much value on these things because we believe all of these things are used to accomplish the will of God, the plan of God. And I believe this, that when we hop in, that we will see ourselves fulfilling this master plan of God. So what I want to do is I want to revisit these four cups of the Passover and I want to show you how they apply to you personally, okay? So the first one, be saved and set free. You know, how do you know that you need to be saved? Just out of curiosity. How do you know if you need to be saved? 
Uh, it's usually when your life's not working you and you realize that, man, I, I'm lost. This isn't good. Man, I, I realized that I couldn't swim when I was in the middle of a pool and I was, I was, I was struggling. Now, this wasn't like yesterday. So you're like, wow. I needed to learn. I needed to have a shift in my life to accomplish this thing called living. <laughs> if I'm in the middle of a pool, you know, but it says this in John chapter eight. It says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave, is in Egypt to sin. You know, no matter what your religious background is, no matter if you've been to church your entire life or maybe this is the very first time you, you've stepped foot inside of a church, we're all on the same playing field. The scripture is really, really clear when it says that all of us have sinned and all of us have sh fallen short of God's standard. But it says this in Titus, and I love the way it's worded in the message. It says, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn we were dupes of sin. Somebody like, that's me, amen. <laughs> Ordered every which way by our glands. Going around with a chip on our shoulder. We hated people and they hated us back. But when God, our kind and loving savior, God, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. It was all his doing. You know, sometimes we lose focus on salvation. We, we, we lose attention. And it often happens when, when we've given our life to God for a long period of time and then we just start to exist. But when we realize that this is where we were, maybe this is where we've revisited, maybe this is where we are right now, it, it, it puts us back in connection with God. It puts us right back to where we can focus on Jesus. In worship where we can focus on Jesus, in life where we can focus on Jesus because all of us were there. It says, but when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it a new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come. It's like there's a cherry on top. It's an eternity of life. The truth is most people in this room have drank of this cup, have accepted this cup, but a lot of people stop with this cup. A lot of people don't ever partake of the other parts of God's plan for him. The second cup, to be healed and delivered. This is where you're saved, but you're still plagued. You still got some issues you're working through. You know, there's still some Egypt left in our hearts and in our lives from past hurts. There's still some bondage and addictions. And in Luke 14, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's to get saved. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. God's intention wasn't just to save you. It was to set you free. It was to bring healing, to bring deliverance to you. And the way that we do that at Northwood Church is through small groups. 
Small groups accomplish this. Just yesterday, right here in this room, uh, a small group was coming to a conclusion called LIFE. We had 120 people that had finished from all three different locations coming here to celebrate and, and really to get free, to get healed, to get delivered. And guess what? It happened. It took place. Bondages were broken. Addictions were broken. People connected to God in a fresh, in a new way, in a life-giving way. Their lives were set free. And small groups happen. And small groups bring healing and deliverance because what they do is they put you in connection with people. Life change happens in relationships. It's where you can get real. It's where you can stop playing church. It's when somebody really knows your business and you really know someone else's business. It's where you walk through the good times together. It's where you might walk through difficult times together. It's where we do life together because it's awfully difficult to do life, to, to know each and every one of you that are sitting in this room. Actually, I'd say it's quite impossible and it's easy to hide, easy to, to repel, easy to stay away. But when you're in relationship, think about your best friend. They know you well. Think about that person that, that knows who you really are. Small groups accomplish that. It's where we quit playing church and we just get real. The third cup is to be discipled and to be equipped. It says in 2 Corinthians, it says, our lives gradually are becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Again, we need to be in relationship. We need to be saved, but we need to be continually looking more like Jesus. Free and healed people are ready to be discipled and equipped. Again, this is a step that we just have to go for. And one of the ways that we do that is through, um, is through what we call growth track, like taking place uh, at 11 o'clock today, simultaneously, we're going to have small group leadership training taking place. We're going to have growth track taking place. Both are taking place in building three. But what growth track is designed to do is to teach you how God created you, to teach you the things that God's given you, maybe even uh, giftings that he's given you. In Ephesians chapter four, it says this, but to each one of us, to every single person, not to just an elect few, it says a grace has been given to us. That grace is not like the amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That grace is from the word, it's charis in the Greek, which means a gift. That means that God, when he, according to the scripture, was looking at you, he had his eye on you, he, he was forming you in your mother's womb, and he was creating the person that, that you were created to be, called to be, it said that he gave each one of you, each and every one of us, charises, gifts. Oftentimes in the church, we sit we receive and we have gifts that God's given us inside of us, but we refuse to open them and to use them. It's so frustrating as a parent on Christmas Day when you wrap the present so well and there's a great gift inside and we, we, we saved up for so long to get Samuel this one thing. He's four years old and we're like, man, this is the thing. He's gonna be excited. We had the cameras ready. <laughs> you know, it's, it was one of those. You know what I'm talking about. You got the camera ready. You're expecting him to scream, run around. Thank you. I love you. That whole thing. And he got the box and he said, oh, this is awesome. And he sat there and turned the box around and he kind of opened it, took the paper off, and it was just a cardboard box. And he put it down and he said, thank you so much, Dad. 
I turn my phone off. <laughs> How often do you think God turns his phone off on us? Says, come on, I gave him gifts. I gave him gifts. If you would just open it, if you would just use it. Some of you have gifts inside of you that, that, can, that can help people connect to God. Some of you have been given gifts that I walked inside and people welcomed me and I thought this is one of the friendliest people I've ever met. I'm so thankful that they opened their gift and said, you know what, I think God's given me a gift of hospitality that I can welcome people, people who might not be comfortable coming into church. They opened a gift and, and what happens is in growth track you learn about that there's tests taking place today at 11 a.m. where it's tests about you you can't get the answers right or wrong it's about you and you learn how God made you you learn how he created you and you learn even gifts that God's given you and then you can say this is how it can be used the very next week church can we be a church that opens up the gifts can we be a church that says you know what thanks for the gift I'm going to open it turn your phone on this is going to be a quite a show. When you open that gift, this is really where church gets fun. Because I want you to picture a person like this for me. Somebody that's, that's come to church. Someone that's been stuck in Egypt for their, Egypt their entire life or they've been in slavery. They've been in bondage. They're broken. They're hurt. They're in this pit. They're in this clay and they're buried and it's just how they've always been. It's how their parents have been. And they come to church and they hear this plan that God has for them. And they say, you know what? I want that. And they give their life to God. There's nothing more fulfilling as a pastor than at the moment where people have an opportunity to give their hearts to God and they say, yes, that's me. But you watch that person and they give their life to God and then they say, you know what, my next step is I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna get around some people that know me and that I know. And they get honest. You know, they tear down some of the walls in their lives that they say, you know what, this is who I really am. This is some of the real struggles. Can you help me? And, and they pray for each other. And you know what, even at times, those people that, that once were struggling so much and had so much difficulty and pain, they find themselves praying for other people. And, and it's like they're taking steps. And then they say, you know what, I'm going to try this growth track thing. And they realize that it's Christmas Day when it's 301 and they're opening this gift, this package, and they say, no way, God. You gave me this. You made me like this. I would tell you each one of you are created a certain way for a reason. God's wire, and now it might take some, uh, some of God's redemptive work. You know, some of you have a lot of baggage. Some of you have a lot of hurt. Some of you have a lot of sludge from that pit that you've been in, but don't forget God's outstretched arm. And it might take a little bit of time of healing and relationships, but there's that gift inside of you. But when that person finds that gift and they open that package and they say, you know what? I'm gonna use this gift to touch people's lives. And you see them serving. You see them doing the thing that God created them to do. You see them parking a car for a visitor and that visitor sits in a room and gives their life to Jesus. They say, somehow, some way, I was a part of that. They're the guy in the mascot outfit when you're dropping kids off and there's 
a mascot. And they give high fives to the little kids running around and the parents drop their kids off and for the first time visiting a church, their kids went into a kid's ministry and they didn't cry, they didn't scream. It's like they actually liked it and the parents came to church, they sat in a service and for the first time they were able to relax and not think what's going on with my kids because their kids were relaxed and they give their life to God or the kid gives their life to God in a kid's ministry and that guy that's dressed up like a minion from Despicable Me can say somehow, some way, I had a part in that. That person that's putting words on the wall for you to see and you're worshiping God, connecting to him for the first time, saying this is real, this is alive, this is really what it is. You say, my goodness, the words that I put on a wall somehow, some way are accomplishing this plan that God's had since the very, very beginning. The fourth cup is the cup of praise and of celebration. And I believe this, when you do that, when you walk through this plan and when you keep walking because you can remain in the cup of praise and celebration, I wanna champion the people that have served for a long time. I wanna champion the people that serve every week, that give fearlessly, that give with tons of life, that give with tons of love because what you're doing is making a difference in people's lives. And I believe this, you're not just satisfying pastor. You're not just satisfying a church staff. I really believe this, that God's looking down saying, you got it. You got it. The plan that I had so long ago to free four million Hebrews. You got it. You got it. Keep going. So what I want to do is I just want to say a prayer over you right now, and it's out of the book of Ephesians. But I just want to pray this over you right now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparably, his incomparably great power for us who believe. God, I pray over every single person in this room right now. God, there's people in all different stages of life. There's people that have been in church for a very long time. There's people that are visiting church maybe for the very first time. And God, I pray that there would be this deep desire to either get on the journey with you, to continue the journey with you, to take their next step with you, or God, to keep going. God, that our eyes would be lifted up to say, look at what I get to be part of. Changing lives. Seeing people pulled out of slavery, out of bondage, out of Egypt. And God, we realize that as we are part of this thing, God, that you're continually saving us. You're continually redeeming us. So God, in the same way that thousands of years ago people celebrate Passover, God, we commit to being people that celebrate that. God, that say, you know what? You saved us. You healed us. You delivered us. You redeemed us. And God, we give praise to you for that, that we get to be part of something so great as your church, as your family, as your plan. 
I believe there's probably a group of people in this room right now that say, Pastor Micah, I love everything you're saying. I agree with everything that you're saying. But I need to drink of that first cup, that cup of salvation. I'm a slave to sin. I'm in bondage. I'm in Egypt. And I realize at this moment that it's time for me to surrender my heart, to surrender my life to Jesus. Your first step to be part of God's plan for you is to respond to him. I believe in your hearts right now. There's this burning, there's this tug of war, there's this thing. In just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to come to the front of the room. You don't have to do anything except raise your hand. And that's honestly a signaler to God saying, you know what, it's me. I'm ready to be part of this plan. If that's you in this room, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, you say, it's time for me to drink of this first cup, salvation. I just want you to slip your hand up and then you can put it down. I just want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, young and old, all over. Anyone else? You say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You say, this is my time. This is my moment. I'm ready to surrender my heart to Jesus right now. One more time, if you haven't lifted your hand, thank you so much. If you haven't lifted your hand, but deep down inside you say, I need to. Thank you so much. Slip your hand up and you can put it down. We're going to lead you in a prayer. What's incredible about the word of God and incredible about Jesus is that salvation is something that we can't ever attain on our own. We can never be good enough. We can never pay a price uh, expensive enough to receive it. But it says this in the word of God. It says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, then that's exactly what happens. So I believe when you raised your hand that your heart was wide open. You know, men see hands, God sees hearts. And some hearts are wide open right now saying, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. So if you raised your hand, I wanna lead you in a prayer. You can repeat it after me. You can whisper it out after me. You can say it out loud. It's important for you to say it though. But just say this, say God in heaven, I'm giving you my life. I'm surrendering myself to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I give you all of me. I give you all the good. I give you all the bad. God, right now, I drink of the first cup of salvation. God, I pray over every single person that just said that prayer. God, that that said it, that meant it, that their heart was connecting to you. God, I pray that you would honor that prayer because that's what your word says. And as you do that, God, God, that this would not just be a moment in time where they drink of a cup and then they leave it alone, but God, that it would be the start of an incredible journey. God, for the people that are in phase one or two or three or even four, God, that you would continually speak to us on how to take our next step. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for all of them that gave their life to Jesus just now.
The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.